Welcome back, Literary Slummers, to a Morph Monday episode of Shelf Aware. It's October 19th, and you know what that means. It's almost Halloween. <laughs> I'm Em. I'm Anna. <laughs> Do you like it? <laughs> it's a little bit of a stretch, but I liked it. I liked how hard you went for it. Thank you. <laughs> this week on Shelf Aware, we read the 26th book yes. in the Animorphs series. Hard to believe we're already that deep far in the series. But we were book number 26, The Attack. Change is necessary. Ooh. Is our tagline. I mean, that could be a tagline for literally, literally any of these books. Because guess what? These kids are changing all the time not just humans. changes <laughs> to animals their bodies go through changes probably what they're going for is the like evolution angle of things that gets brought up in this book but yeah it is very or, vague or the change in tone i felt like be- maybe because this no this was k.a applegate this was this, this was the last k.a applegate in the series proper for a while Yes. So we had Ghost Rider last book. She came back for this one. We have Ghost Rider again next book. This, I felt like, was a much more mature tone to it than previous entries. I would agree, I think. I think that we're seeing a big shift in general uh, post-David trilogy. Yes. I feel like this one brought a lot to the table, and I ate off that table i was here for it <laughs> i gorged I myself gorged upon myself. these lore drops <laughs> a lot of lore a lot of lore in this one a lot of new and plot setup. plot setup a lot of new aliens which is always good unless they're the microns um you hate those guys just the worst <laughs> yeah what'd you what'd you think i really liked this book a lot more than i thought i was going to again it's these, these jake, jake povs books. we can't stand him as a person but his books he gets the best books. He just she just gives the meatiest most succulent plots to jake i know it's really unfair mm-hmm. well my Rachel. girl my girl cassie's over here with the fucking caterpillar plots like yeah yeah i can't Rachel lie. I like got, that book. Uh, <laughs> What was the last really bad Rachel? Uh, I don't the remember. Alligator one, maybe? Yeah. Cassie yeah. got Alien Cassie Toilet. Cassie got shrunk. Cassie got Microns and Alien Toilet. And, and alien God toilet. Whales. Um, Cassie yeah. just gets all the like worst lore drops, and Jake gets the best ones. Yeah. Yeah. That's really unfair. It is. <laughs> uh, but I guess we can we can just jump right in this one because it's kind of a meaty book. So I ha- do have a lot to talk about. A lot to discuss in this one. Yeah. So let's do it. Starting with page V. This is the first time we've had a prologue, y'all. Oh, my God. You guys know I hate prologues. This was so <laughs> stupid. <laughs> it was very important to the plot. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean... Yes, it didn't have to be a prologue. It could have just been the te- typical chapter one bullshit where it's like, here's a non sequitur for you. Now we're on a mission. Like, <laughs> whatever, whatever. You skip a book in the series, you can come back and reformat the whole thing, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> just playing Jake. fast and loose. Yes. <laughs> Jake is having some scary dreams uh, that have been a- reoccurring since like book number 
five or six when that year got when he got all yerked up. Yeah. And it died in his mind. So I guess this like lowered the veil between life and death. And nope. Spoilers. <laughs> I mean, I that think is his, not how I wanted to talk I about I think this. his name gets brought up in like chapter four. It's pretty early. Yeah, on. no, it's chapter like three really even. Really, like, a few lines down in my notes. But I wanted it to be more dramatic. Okay. So, something. (laughs) Everyone pretend you didn't hear that. I'll bleep it out. Jake has a dream of this giant eye that turns around to look at him and is like, and it gives Jake the willies. Sipping on that Sauron juice. Yes. Yeah, essentially. A little bit. Uh, Peter Jackson may have been ripping off of (laughs) K.A. Applegate here. I don't know. So we get to hear about those dreams. And then Jake and the other school-going bandalites are sitting through a school-wide presentation of the Lion King musical. When <laughs> forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> when suddenly everyone freezes except the bandalites. And the Elemis is there taking the form of another student. And here's where we get our lore drop. Well, the first one. Basically. This guy, this Elemist, the Elemist, I don't know if they all have different names. <laughs> I don't think the Andalites or the Animorphs know because they say, first off, they do the whole he, she, they, it thing. And then they proceed to refer to him as he throughout the entire book, which seems they didn't even ask. gendered. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, they're like, oh, we don't know if it's the same Elemist or a different Elemist or what an Elemist is or where an Elemist is or why an Elemist is. Very mysterious. Yeah, and Axe is just like their fairy tales, so. Mm. Or maybe that was Elfangor. I don't know if Axe has any opinions. I think that they say that, like, in the narration, they confirm that Axe doesn't like them because they are, like, boogie monsters from Andalites. Mm-hmm. But I don't think Axe says, like, I fucking hate that Elemist. In I hate book. you, man. <laughs> Not a fan. The Elemist pops up. I guess, in the middle of Hakuna Matata or something. And he's taking the form of another student. And he's like, I am in a cold war of sorts with this evil being called Kryak, who is the being that Jake has been seeing in his dreams. And Kryak is a fugitive from another galaxy. And he's essentially Thanos. Like, he Mm -hmm. wants to cleanse the galaxy of creation because he desires perfection. And the Elemist is like, ah, no can do, buckaroo. So they did a big fight, and it destroyed a shit ton of planets and stuff. So now they do this new secret type of battle that doesn't involve as much killing. And for some reason, Earth is part of that battle. So they're kind of like, it's like a Cold War, I guess, kind of, where they are playing 4D chess with sentient races. And the Elemist tells the Bandalites that currently Cryak is trying to kill off a species that the Elemist cannot let die, called the Iskrut. Uh, so it and Cryak have agreed to choose seven warriors of their own to fight against each other. Cryak has chosen seven Howlers to represent him, and the Elemist has chosen the Bandalites and Eric the Chi, which is important because if you remember from way back when, the Howlers were the ones that killed all the Pemelites, who were the dog creators of the Chi. This is such an intricate, intricately woven plot. 
I know. Aren't you a little bit like salty that the chi have mattered this much? I am a little bit because I definitely predicted. (laughs) I just, I really underestimated Applegate way back in the day because I was like, they're just going to bring up plot points and it's never going to be important again. No, it's really did just throw that out there. Yeah. She's like, by the way, dogs are aliens and they made androids. (laughs) (laughs) And those androids will become very relevant to this book series. I guess as some sort of. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, whatever. Um, some points in our favor is that K. Applegate did set up that elaborate voicemail system that they have just completely ignored. Mm. They only ever talk to each other in person. Yeah, so. yeah. So, who's the real fool? Yeah, honestly, K. A. Applegate's a fake fan of her own series. <laughs> <laughs> The Vandalites and Eric agree to act in this capacity for the Elemist, so he just immediately transports them to the Iskrut homeworld. The Iskrutes are these weird vulture-looking aliens that live in a Lego land planet that are obsessed with buying and viewing the memories of others and also having a guild for absolutely everything. <laughs> um. Yeah, I love them. I do too. I like the Iskrutes. I thought they were so fun. And the Andalites were, or I keep saying the Andalites, the Bandalites were so dismissive of their ways. And I'm just like, look. We got to sit and talk about them. (laughs) Don't just breeze on by, Jake. This is capitalism if capitalism was good. Like... (laughs) Each person has a purpose in society, whether that be as a servant or a warmonger, or a shopper. Yeah. There's a guild There's of shoppers. There's a shopper's guild. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> that's a job, like, I guess. Why do you have a guild of shoppers? And he's like, well, because then who would buy stuff? Obviously. Do you think that, like, because you have to follow this to its logical, the shopper thing specifically, to its, like, conclusion, right? Because it's like, okay, if there's people producing things in the guilds, right? So, like, yes. the cheesemakers guild or whatever um and then the shoppers buy the cheese and i guess consume the cheese so is the guild like a temporary thing like you belong to whatever guild the activity is Mm. that you are currently doing or is it actually not a capitalist society at all it's a like super communist society like communal where like the shoppers buy the cheese, but then they just like everybody who wants cheese gets cheese, you know, because either yeah, yeah. either some people aren't buying things at all, unless the shoppers guild is just like a like a uh, better business bureau sort of thing. Who's just like they go around. They're the Yelp reviewers. Yeah. Of the yeah. Planet. <laughs> And, like, anyone can shop, but there's, like, I mean, I guess we do kind of have shoppers as a job, right? Like, that is a thing. There are secret shoppers. So, I mean, I guess that isn't that wild. Are they, like, the influencers? Yeah, another another possibility. It's just, like, more on the tin. The question who becomes, like, who pays the shoppers to shop? Right. Assuming that is your only job. Assuming you can't double dip and you could be, like, a shopper warmonger. I don't know. You've been chosen to shop. Who pays you to shop and with what money? Because then you're just returning that money, assumably, to the people who you're shopping for. Well, and that's another question. You said choose who, like, they get chosen to shop, but we don't know that to be the case. Maybe it's, like, that's, you're like, elected? the retirement. Like, you're just a retired oh, person and you have all of yeah. the money then. 
You know, you can't make cheese anymore because you've forgotten all of your cheese recipes in your old age, yeah. but you can still buy cheese. Or they have like a weekend system, but like a really long one. Like, so it's like, oh, for like uh, the equivalent of three months, you're going to be in the cheesemakers guild. And then like mm. for two months after that, you're on your like the equivalent of a weekend where you're in the shoppers guild, you know? Okay. Or Mm -hmm. instead of going on vacation, they just go shopping. You just become a shopper. Everyone has like a week that they shop. I don't know, man. I think we need the Iskert Chronicles immediately. (laughs) I agree. I'm going to write to Kay Applegate right now. Please. I'm going to ask her. (laughs) This This is the thing. She keeps introducing these alien species and I'm like, I need to know everything about them. Yes. 100% agree. You can't just, you can't keep doing this two-dimensional tantalizing alien us. races. I want, I want to add so much information to my alien codex. Please. you're not letting me. <laughs> it's like, it's like we have a Pokedex and we only have that entry from when you first see the Pokemon and not the whole thing that you get when you catch the Pokemon. Does Pokemon still do that? They did in the early games. Is that still the case? They still have a Pokedex and... You still get more information after you catch okay. them. I don't remember, though, because I don't ever really look at it. <laughs> oh, I, I was all about those polka drops because I'm here for the lore. I was only interested in the cute ones. <laughs> the Vandalites eventually come across an Iskrut called Guide that agrees to be their guide to the Iskrut planet. Well, I think they, they hire him, don't they, from his father, right? Because they meet the father and he's like... I have the perfect guide for you. It's my son, Guide, who's a guide. He's a member of the Guide Guild. Guide. Yeah. I don't remember. <laughs> I honestly, I was like half asleep reading a lot of this. Good. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> but that sounds like it could be feasible. <laughs> they find someone's dad who said, here's my son. He will guide you because I've named him Guide. And... Also, he'll get you some memories of the Howlers, and he'll set you up with a safe house, and it's going to cost you some of Rachel's hair. And then they, they, Rachel gives them their hair, and they're like, oh, but I bought these combs. Oh, no, that's a different story. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tobias walks up or like, flies just... up. He's like, Rachel, I just bought these combs from the from the hair guild. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> And Rachel's like, that's fine. I bought you a pair of shoes from the mall before I remembered you're a bird. <laughs> Birds can wear shoes too, Anna. Don't be birdist. She got human-sized shoes. And they re- require a lot of laces. Eric is like, I used to cut the hair of Catherine the Great, so let me just get you a real hot totsy little haircut here. We absolutely cannot get into Eric and his here's the thing with Eric Eric is like every woman who says that she has past lives and can remember her past lives and is like I was Cleopatra because it's like you cannot keep or like every, <laughs> we're not all Cleopatra we're not all Cleopatra we didn't all cut Catherine the Great's hair or like every vampire book where they're like I'm 3,000 years old I was hanging out with Jesus I was hanging out with 
Mark Anthony. I was thinking, where's the vampire book where the vampire's like, me and Jesus were bros, but he wouldn't let me turn him. Listen, okay, maybe not Jesus. Maybe I'm going too far back. You know, like, I want this book. You know, like in vampire books where they're like, I was at this very important historical event. Like, nobody, no I was an advisor to 30 kings. Right. There's never like a vampire book where they're like, I've been alive since 1776, and in 1776, I was in Spain. Like, they're always like, I was in the American Revolution. It's like, you can't possibly have been at every important historical thing. And that's what Eric's starting to do. Because he's like, what was it, Beethoven? He's like, I was Beethoven's assistant. Or I'm Mozart. Captain yeah, Gert's hair. Like, fuck off, Eric. You're making shit up. <laughs> Eric is, like, the worst kind of, like, braggart. Mm-hmm. He, like... Trying to be embarrassed about it, but he's not. <laughs> I just, I just cut Catherine the Great's hair. Like, I calm down, because I've lived forever. <laughs> Why would middle schoolers be impressed by that, Eric? I don't know. He should have been like, "Oh yeah, I cut Michael Jordan's hair," <laughs> and Jake would have been like, "Sign me up." Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> You're so much cooler now, Eric. I love basketball. <laughs> it's one of my three personality traits. Yep, basketball, Cassie, leadership, reluctant leader, <laughs> Bugs. Oh, I forgot Bugs and Brother Tom is a year, so five, my bad. Tom or Tim? Tom. Tom? I was thinking his name was Tim. Oh, it's Tom. It's Vin Tom. Tom. Thomas. Timus. T- <laughs> uh, so Rachel gets this cute new chic haircut and it's never mentioned. And as they're headed to the marketplace to buy up some Howler memories, they run into one of the seven Howlers. And they're like, it's just one boy. We can take him. So they morph into their predator morphs, and then they get their asses absolutely kicked. Like, very embarrassing. Totally thrashed. On the verge of death. (laughs) This chonky boy, they cannot handle. They cannot handle the Howlers. Maybe I'm misremembering. But, like, in most of the Howler fights, I don't think... At any point in this book, did they ever think to go hork bajir, which they have? Like they don't, they don't think they ever don't is think. the problem. They're like predator morphs. I'll be a tiger, you know, the thing with like some sharp, pointy teeth with no range and some claws with like maybe a foot of range if you lunge, instead of the thing made of knives. Entirely knives. Just be the knife thing. Why are you guys... I get why you can't do it on Earth all the time because people would notice, but you're on an alien planet. You're on an alien planet where they're used to seeing lots of aliens. Kill howlers. Be knives. That should be your motto. That's our our next merch, our next (laughs) t-shirt, of which we have zero. Um... I guess like the howlers make this loud screechy sound and Axe, it makes Axe flee from battle. And then he gets all a sad sack and embarrassed about it, even though he came back, but whatever. And then everyone is also super pissed at Eric because Eric's like, I could tell you how to kill a howler, but because of my programming, it won't allow me to just like, okay. The do no harm thing. You that can't that's no, it's too strict. I don't know why Eric was here at all. Because really. he hates the he hates the howlers. I mean, like, I don't want to get he held too, the door. He I don't want to get door for yeah. He helped. A a, I'm not saying he he didn't help them out because he did. But like, what I'm trying to say is, I don't know why Eric 
I guess, may, like, from the Elemis point of view, and I know this is getting ahead, I'm trying not to, like, spoil everything, but, like, why the Elemis was like, oh, they should bring Eric. I guess kind of to motivate them to do what they do at the end, but, like, even that, it doesn't seem like he's super on board with that plan. So, I don't know. I don't, he just seemed I don't extraneous. Know. I think maybe... Because he's an android and that allowed them to download all the memories. I don't know. But then they could do the, they viewed the memories with the memory viewers anyway. They could do it. So like. Yeah. The VR. Yeah. The memory VR. I don't know. Whatever. I don't, I honestly, Eric is like, the only thing he's good for is cutting hair and being Beethoven's valet or whatever. Like, like he's there to like make the moral questions more complicated because he does. But we've got Cassie. But we've already. got Cassie, <laughs> and I, I, I don't know from the like that makes sense from a narrative author perspective. But I don't think that the book did enough to like validate him being there from an Elemis perspective, who is the one pulling the strings in this. Yeah, yeah. There didn't seem to be a higher purpose other than that. It made it sadder. <laughs> yeah, he held a door. <laughs> downloaded some files whatever but yeah I just I hate his limitations his self-imposed limitations because he did there was a point where he could have like changed it to he could be like I can tell others how to do harm to my enemies I can you know talk shit make plans but instead I'm just totally incapable of doing anything I thought that that was uh, a failsafe that was built in and that they disabled at one point and then re-enabled well because he had the the crystal or whatever right. and so i think that was like he could rewrite it oh their code that's what he used to like redo their programming or whatever okay i don't remember enough about that book to that was ages ago yeah. it was like at least 10 years ago god i have to go book. reread a Animorphs book I feel like this is the problem I keep like needing to look stuff up to talk about these books and I'm not gonna do do it and I definitely did spoil two things for myself this week so like oh no I'm really upset about it but it's fine Mm. that's all right yeah just don't tell me I won't (laughs) uh (laughs) so they're they go to the safe house that guy takes them to it's like I don't know, a college student dorm room or something. I don't know. It's like a real shitty little apartment. And Eric downloads and watches the Howler memories. And I guess it turns out that the Howlers all share one collective memory. Mm-hmm. And also important to note that everyone believes that the Howlers have never lost a battle. There's nothing in the memories that would suggest they've lost. They've always won. They've always succeeded. And also they discover that the Howlers were created by Kryak to be like his little weapons. So they're just, they're there, they're made to kill, that's what they love to do. And they just eradicate species. And they're good at it. They're very good at it. They were designed for it. And have we said like why they're called the Howlers? They do that weird siren thing. It like makes you explode. Makes your brain explode, I think, is what it does. Yeah. So... That's why, in, in case anyone was wondering. Yeah, it's real bad. <laughs> so the Bandalites all try to get some rest while they can. And eventually, the Howlers find them, somehow. Mm. Eric blocks the door with his android string. And the Bandalites all become flies, so they can hide. And 
I don't, there's like a power struggle here with Jake and Axe where Axe is like, I have to redeem myself so I'll fight all these howlers by myself for some reason. I'm just like, Axe, you have to pick one violent bad guy to want revenge on. You gotta save yourself <laughs> for Visser 3 if that's what you want to do. You can't just risk your life for every asshole you come across. He is kind of becoming the like, but my honor character, right? Like where it's like, yes. oh, I they dishonored me by... It's like, calm down, Prince Zuko. No one needs that. <laughs> Let's see. Okay, yeah. So the Howlers come in. There's some sort of distraction in the form of Marco thought-speeching insults to the Howlers. Everyone's able to morph into flies. And then Eric does some hologram bullshit where he just becomes part of the wall of the apartment. <laughs> Very convenient. And the Howlers are like, hmm, where'd these fellows go? I don't know. It's like essentially the equivalent of like, what's in those bushes over there? And they all <laughs> turned around and everyone was gone when they turned back. I just, I really love how holograms work in this universe where they are not only completely like, like you cannot like not the flickering sort of hologram yeah they're super opaque and also like if you touch them it doesn't do anything half the time (laughs) like yeah like your hand doesn't phase through there isn't any like zippy zappy crackles you know like oh i'm touching something electric like you have to turn off the hologram it's like this isn't a hologram really no you just you can create matter (laughs) from nothing it could be any shape and size you want. Uh, they take Guide with them. Guide is like, the whole time, he's not bothering to run and hide because he's recording these memories to sell later. So, I don't know. I guess it works out in the end, but you have to wonder, like, tactically, at the time. I think there's some rule that the Iskrut are, like, off limits. They can't, they're like, if they kill the Iskrut, an Iskrut, like, it's automatic failure for that team. Because I think there, mm. that comes up later in one of the fights. They're like, like I think Eric... Hand, they have to be hands-off so they can't <laughs> directly kill the Iskrut. Eric uses an Iskrut as like a human shield at one point. Eric's like, oh, I can't harm anyone. It's like he's like, they I can't, can't put them in harm's way. They can't way. harm me if I hold one in front of me, so I'm going to do that. I think he does that. <laughs> Eric's such a brave chief. <laughs> Come here, meat shield. <laughs> a guide takes them to the Temple of Servants to hide out in. And here it is revealed that the Iskrut are actually two symbiotic species. One of which is a little slug type creature that has to leave its host's body every three days to soak up some Candrona rays. <gasps> what? <laughs> Is that basically a good reaction to this <laughs> shocking twist? It really this one did I was not expecting them to be what they were. Yeah. It was a nice, nice little I I guess we'll talk about it. Okay, so basically the Iskru are they're like some offshoot of the Yerks, whether it was like a long, long time ago a Yerk left the planet somehow and ended up here and started repopulating or something but um branch in the evolutionary tree essentially yeah yeah so the iskrut are two species the isk and the yurt which is the yurk equivalent um and the yurts have created a sentient host 
the ISK. And they've also nerfed themselves to be more reliant on the host so that it truly is like one needs the other and they both benefit from the deal. Mm. And everyone gets along really well and loves this arrangement 100%. Even though as like the people who created their hosts, it's a little bit hard to be like, are they actually happy with this situation? Yeah, but, the, you know. the ethics of this are very foggy to me because it's like, like you said, they we created you to be compliant. Right. It's kind of like, yeah, like it, if if they gave them free will to the extent of like free will as long as they agree with what they want, is that really free yeah. will? And also, does that matter? Because it's like if they're happy, like who cares? But mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I don't I don't know where I land on this. If I'm like, oh yeah, this is a good solution or not. I feel like it's not as good of a solution as ones we've come up with on this podcast, you know? Yeah. Well, and also, I don't know, it kind of reminds me of those like bird aliens on the Hork Bajir planet mm. that created yeah. the monsters for their own needs. And the Hork Bajir, like basically the Yerks just made Hork Bajir, but but for Hork Bajir, they could go inside and dominate. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, but then it gets into like, is that necessarily wrong? I mean, like humans have done a lot of genetic modification of species on our own planet yeah. for our own needs, like dogs. You know, if we ignore the fact that dogs are aliens, like uh, <laughs> we we've bred dogs to be completely reliant on humans and for a time to be useful to humans you know less so now dogs are less for their utility and more for their cute fluffiness but like (laughs) is that is that ethically wrong that that happened or is it just like a like is there any point to putting an ethical like value judgment on that or is it just like well that's a thing that pete that happened you know Mm -hmm. i don't know i think too there's a question of like, is it, did you actually create a living, like, did you create an actual species of a live thing? Or did you just create like the shells of, you know, like, or did you just make like really complex armor? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. I mean, like, I guess for the Yerks and the Yorts to function, they have to have, we we know that they have to have a host capable of like cer- a certain level of brain functionality, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it can't be like totally blank shell. But like, I guess, I guess that kind of comes to the question of like, how much sentience does a creature need for the Yerks Yorts to infest them, right? Because it's like, why would you bother making them more sentient than you need them to be? But also, like, I guess maybe if they need them to be at a certain level of, like, consciousness, then they kind of have to make a, I guess, real life form, you know? How do you even make life at this level? Like, was this very selective breeding? In which case, that that raises more questions or can they literally just be like, I mushed a bunch of elements together and I made life. My (laughs) theory would be, it would be some sort of genetic modification coupled with cloning where there Mm. may be like cloning some already extant creature in order to get like, I, I can't, but I mean the way it is phrased in this book is that it is, they made something from whole cloth, which I don't know how that would happen. That's wild. That's real wild. You're, Yurts are Jesus. Right. Well, like, also, how 
how did they do that if they're yurts? What was the creature that they used to... They had to have a host that they infested in order to create this host. So what happened to that middle step? <laughs> Where did those right? go? Yeah. Right? Where did the, like, super competent, like, dexterous creatures with, like, advanced science degrees go? Because they would need them. Like... Exactly. Something's fishy. Something's going on here. But the Elemis wants to keep this species alive desperately because he wants to one day show the Yerks that there is another happier way to live than they currently are. Something slightly less forceful, I suppose. And anyway, there's another fight with the Howlers. They, like, pump some poison into this temple and everyone turns into birds of prey to fly away or fight. I don't know. Everyone gets beat up again real bad. Like Jake is the only one who makes it out. Cause he can, he's a peregrine Falcon that can go 200 miles per hour. And he thinks everyone, including Cassie is like super, super hurt or dead. So he zooms off. He, he gets one of the howlers to chase him away. And he also manages to get this howler to jump off a, cliff or something and jake flies down with him demorphs acquires the howler and remorphs into a hawk or no falcon and then the howler lands and dies <laughs> which i like how you phrase that because it implies that it lands fine and then dies not like it, it crashes suffered, yeah into the it ground. was the injuries that killed him not the landing right. i guess <laughs> uh, <laughs> And then he goes and reunites with the team and they're all alive, of course, because this is a children's series. And he and Cassie are so, so, so happy to see each other that they do a kiss. <gasps> Another shocking twist, guys. This uh, book's chocolate block. Some romance in this series about children. <laughs> um, Is this... Does the Jake and Cassie kiss change any of your shipping theories, or do you think this is just like the first step in their breakup? <laughs> um. Well, the problem is that my shipping theory has essentially always been that Jake and Cassie are probably endgame because this is a children's series and we don't really mm. do complex feelings, right? Um, right. It seems unlikely that Cassie. I've, we've. I feel like we've both always said it's unlikely that Cassie and Marco will actually end up together. It just would be better if they did. It's more satisfying. So it doesn't change that for me. Um, I will say the Jake and Cassie, this is the big issue with Jassy. Jassy, right? That <laughs> that they are always good because this is a children's series. They just aren't going to be as interesting if they are realizing any sort of romance as characters who aren't right because it's like right there's gonna be more subtexty stuff if you want to read it that way between marco and cassie than there is jake and cassie because jake and cassie is all becoming text and the you text beat over the head with yeah jake and cassie and the text is boring instead of jassy they could be cake um i hate that <laughs> I like cake. Jassy. <laughs> we know, though, yeah, it's Carco they... for life. Carco! <laughs> Not Marcy. Massey, I think, would be the other option. Massey. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I agree. It just they're so it's so bland though. It's, it's just bland because cake. from page one of the first book, Jake is like Cassie. Cassie is like Jake. It's it's boring. Whatever. It's boring, it's boring and uninteresting. And also, there's like there's mm-hmm. nothing there to support the conclusion that this book draws at the very end, which I'm sure we'll get into. So pin in that. Yeah. Well, in my fix it AU where they're all aged up to be in their twenties, mm-hmm. Cassie and Marco do end up together. A hundred percent. Uh Jay comes up with a plan to kill the howlers because he has deduced with his big boy leader brain that because there are no memories of any howler failures, Cryic must be killing off the howlers that do lose before their memories enter the shared memory pool. Which is a huge leap for Jake of all people to make. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is. But you know what? Unless Eric was going to give us some help here, we had to move the plot along somehow. Eric's like, no, I, I knew that, but I couldn't tell you because you would have harmed the howlers if I told you. Extreme pacifism, man. It's a life uh, choice. Even like Tobias, I could expect it from. Marco has been proven to be secretly very smart. He's he's playing dumb, so the girls will like him. But Jake is just, he is dumb. <laughs> I, I will say, this was not going to be in my serious theories this week, but I think now I'm maybe going to bring it up now. Um, okay. This might play a little bit into Dark Jake, right? Because of, like... That's true. Jake having to think like a general and having to think like a war master like Krayek and being like... Uh, what would I do if if I was in charge? So maybe it's kind of that angle. Oh, okay, I can see that. He's just becoming more tactical. Yes, I think that's what we're going to go with. Darth Jake. Mm. So Jake morphs into his howler. And doing so, he realizes that the howlers are just little children. It was an Ender's game the whole time, guys. Yes. Except for they weren't doing flight simulations to kill bugs. They were just, they were told it was a great game of tag. Everyone pops back up after you leave them completely decimated. Um. Or like they're not like, it's kind of like any number of Black Mirror episodes, I feel, where they think it's like a virtual reality thing, but it's actually like, like you think it's a game. You think it's a video game or whatever, but it's actually like real people because they don't have a concept of like other things are real people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, Cryak made them to be very pliable. And he, like, kills them off before they age up. Yeah, so they o- they get to, like, they're only, like, three years old by the time Cryak kills them. So they don't have any time to mature and think about things other than what's in the shared memory pool. Yeah. Very sad. This is a bummer of a setup. I was saddened by this. Yeah, it was. Because then, like, <laughs> Jake is very torn about whether or not they can kill a bunch of babies should kill the howlers and and put his plan in motion because his plan ultimately destroys all the howlers (laughs) so he's a little bit like do i but everyone else is like fucking do it which i (laughs) guess is maybe why eric's here so eric can be like you have to do this because i hate the howlers i don't care if they're babies they killed my people but like also he really doesn't like tip the scale in any meaningful way so again why is eric here he could it could have just been Cassie. Yeah. Again. Always annoying. Cassie who I will mention, I think it's in this book. Yeah. 
she gets very annoyed with the Iskrut and they're like, oh, Cassie, who's, you know, even Cassie's annoyed with the Iskrut. I'm like, Cassie gets annoyed with every alien species. She hated the Microns too. She wasn't a big fan of the Lyrans. Like, let's stop pretending like Cassie is like, oh, I'm so accepting of others that are different yeah. than me. Because <laughs> she's, she's super like not. an Earth xenophobe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it doesn't come from Earth, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> it's gross and weird and I don't like it. I hate it. It's different from me and the planet I'm from. <laughs> but So they do another big fight. Um, they don't really change their tactics much, except for this time Jake takes a download of all of his memories and makes one of the Howlers watch it. And then Cryak has to step in and kill the Howlers that are on this planet before Jake's memories enter the Howler memory pool. So that makes them the winners of this little fight battle that the Elemis and the Cryak were having. Um, so the two of them show up, these two big uh, higher beings show up, and there's some grandstanding. And Cryak's like, mm, yeah, yeah, hmm, I'm gonna kill. And then Jake's like, no, I'll look into the Howler memory pool because I'm still a Howler, I guess. And I'll see that none of my memories were erased except one, the memory of me kissing Cassie. So... The Howlers are now tainted by love, and Cryak can no longer use them for his nefarious deeds. Love wins. <laughs> love wins. Uh, Elemis says, like, in six months, Cryak will try and take the Howlers to destroy another race, but the Howlers will try kissing them instead of fighting. Which, which is that was adorable. <laughs> They're just little They're just children little babies. <laughs> I love the Howlers. They're my favorite aliens. <laughs> Oh, I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> they're, they're genocidal babies, and I love them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's the end of this this one. Very lore heavy. Mm-hmm. Lots lots of new threads here. Um, very excited lots. for where things will be going because I feel like it's really it's heating up. It's really heating up Oof, now. <laughs> sure is. Uh, so. Do you have an MVP for this? Oh, man. I almost want to give it to Jake. I feel like... I know. I know. But also, (laughs) remember last week... Not last week. Last Animorphs episode. um, I said that I liked Jake a little bit better in that book. And I know we were kind of like, maybe it's because it's a ghostwriter. But I also felt he was fairly tolerable in this book. And part of that, I think, is that they only became bugs that one time. And it was a, a fairly quick scene. Yeah. Um. So that was improvement, and I thought that he was at least theoretically doing the things that he's supposed to do. That he was fulfilling his one of five character traits of reluctant leader, right? Like, or most mm-hmm. of the time, I'm like, anyone could make this call, anyone could do this plan, and I feel like this situation where they were in like a actual war game situation and they did need someone to make calls, he was doing that a lot more than he has in other books. So my problem with this book mm. is that literally no one else did anything. Yeah, I think that might also be part Jake of it. Is, yes, yes. I don't know if it's because K.A. was returning to the series to write this one last book for a very long time. And she's like, it's my boy, Jake, my son, my literal son. I got to let him shine before I step back. Um, And I, I get it. It's a long series. Everyone gets their time to shine. It is a book series for middle grade like (laughs) we're not gonna get these very long uh 
stories about how everyone has their part to play, but just like Jake could have gone by himself with Eric Mm. and it would have been the same thing. Yeah. And that actually like, I feel like that might've even been better if it was like Jake versus a howler and like, yes, Eric was like allowed to go as like a supplementary like his back and he kisses Eric instead yeah. of Cassie. Yeah, I think that would be a much better book. <laughs> but so is Jake then your MVP? Or are you going to give it to someone else just in order to not give it to Jake? He is, but he ha- he has an asterisk okay. because it's like he got it by default because everyone else forfeited everything. Mm. <laughs> They're all just kind of there. Yes, exactly. Well, maybe that's how we have to do the Jake book so that we like him. That's how Jake, that's the only way Jake wins. <laughs> He's much like me in that regard. <laughs> <laughs> the last one standing. Oh, winning by default. But it's still a win, you yeah, know? Yeah, it counts. <laughs> um, okay, did you have a morbid moment for this week? Yeah, we talked about the fact that the Howlers are just little kids. Yeah. That's pretty, that's a big bummer. Um... I don't there was a, this book was pretty dark. I think there was a lot. I I liked the it, it's not like morbid because of like gore or mm-hmm. violence or anything, but just like this moment where it's like seven, well, six bandalites and a useless android versus a howler and they totally get their asses handed to yeah. them, which is like a really like, ooh shit. <laughs> this isn't going to go well. So, I don't know. I thought this book it was a little bit darker, mm-hmm. but those two things. How about you? Um, I definitely agree with the 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 howlers being babies moment was probably the like saddest for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also kind of going off of that, there was the moment when Jake tells the others, and especially I know I've dunked on him a lot, and I'm kind of continuing he to dunk on him. It. But Eric is like, I don't care they still killed my people right like that was mm-hmm. also like a mm-hmm. very dark moment for me of like this very like pacifist peace loving no one should do That's violence true. type guy who's like no I still want to kill these babies <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yeah it was yeah pretty like up. I can't forgive them yeah. just because they didn't know any better right which I mean like I, I think that's valid for Eric like Mm-hmm. It, you know they they're they're still destructive and they still are bad for the yeah. universe like and if you look at them as like they're a tool like you would also you destroyed Visser 3's base mm-hmm. just a, like the last book so it's kind of like the same thing right? right they're just babies though it's just yeah they're just living babies so messed up toddlers <laughs> <laughs> um so your series theories. We talked about Dark Jake. Yeah, which wasn't one of the ones I thought of okay, pre-recording. Cool. I thought, you know, it was just in the recording. I, it kind of came up. But I did have mm-hmm. a new theory for this series that I want to mm-hmm. bring up. And it's, I think, possibly, aside from, like, shipping stuff, the first uh, relationship-based, like, interpersonal theory that I have. Okay. I want to talk about a relationship in this book series that hasn't come up very much. And I think there's a reason for that. So like most of the Animorphs, I feel like I have a pretty good like read on how they feel about each other. Right. Mm -hmm. Like Jake loves Cassie friends with Marco friends with Axe, leader of Axe unclear about Tobias kind of doesn't really know him very well, but trusts him. Rachel Mm -hmm. is his cousin, right? Like I feel like you could do that with all of the Animorphs pretty much. And like, 
they yes. have an established relationship, except for Tobias and Cassie. I think that they haven't really interacted very much at all in this mm-hmm. series. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, they trust each other in the way that all Animorphs trust each other. But I have this in theory. That naively childish way. Mm-hmm, but I have this theory that Tobias secretly fucking hates Cassie. <laughs> oh my God. And I I would love that. I think it's it's hard to say for sure because they haven't interacted very much at all. But mm-hmm. Tobias says to Cassie one of the meanest things anyone has said in these books to each other and in a way that like I don't think the other animorphs would pick up on, but it is so like okay. it is so entirely someone who secretly hates another member of the group and knows that they cannot like call them out and be mean to them publicly because like it'll disrupt the group right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but there's this this um interaction where I'm, I'm just gonna read the the section here it was the sound of a wine a grating annoying wine that rose or fell depending evidently on how excited or mad or agitated they were the nanny cassie observed the what that sound it sounds like fran drescher the woman who plays the lead in the nanny no offense rude. to her I don't think Fran's probably around here to overhear you being rude, Tobias pointed out. (laughs) That is the most (laughs) passive-aggressive statement any animal has made about another. Tobias is so sassy. Like, Marco is tagged as, like, the sarcastic funny Mm -hmm. guy, but Tobias has this, like, dry, sassy humor to him. I absolutely love i could totally see him hating. i want to break this down not only is he said is he pointing out that cassie is saying something quite rude when even though she says no offense that she's being quite rude no offense doesn't cancel out the fact that you were a rude ass bitch (laughs) he also phrases it in such a way to point out the fact that cassie is being immensely stupid so cassie cannot win cassie has made a statement that if she said if she tries to qualify is stupid, right? Because she's like acting like Fran, Dr- Fran Drescher is going to overhear. But if she yeah. doesn't qualify, is being rude. So like Tobias is just like tearing not- her ass up in this moment. It's like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and baby you, Cassie. <laughs> that was both rude and stupid. And I feel like I need to keep an eye on this and see what Tobias and Cassie's interactions are because we really haven't had many, right? And yeah, I don't want to go back and look at their ones in the past, but I kind of do. I feel like this could be a thing that, like, because Tobias, I want to go back to the skunk book mm-hmm. specifically to see what Tobias had to say. Because I feel like Tobias and Cassie are in some ways very similar in that they're both like the nature child of the books, right? Because Cassie's mm-hmm. Earth Mama, and Tobias is Hawk Boy, right? But Tobias is like nature is metal. Exactly, exactly. Cassie is like, and she's kind of come around on this, but Cassie's always been like the soft side of nature. And Tobias is like, no, nature will fuck you up. And Tobias has to learn that like nature might fuck you up, but you can still be soft. And Cassie has to learn that you can fuck up stuff and still be nature. And like, they kind of have to meet in the middle, but they are at like opposing ends of the spectrum, right? So I feel like it kind of makes sense that Tobias might just like fucking think Cassie's the stupidest in the the group you know yes i love this i love this this canon in my mind and there's also kind of that element of like cassie's the best friend of the girl he likes and like 
maybe she's like he's just putting up with his girlfriends mm-hmm. and like maybe he's just annoyed <laughs> that like cassie monopolizes rachel's time you know like I feel- yeah he's like rachel's so much better than her <laughs> rachel knows how to dress she knows how to shop she's beautiful when she's an eagle <laughs> i feel like there's a lot here there is. I love this. <laughs> oh, I needed to buy us POVs. I know. I know. I gotta. I gotta keep an eye on it. I I do want to go back and look at the skunk book now, because mm-hmm. I feel like that was a big one where Tobias was like, "God damn it, Cassie!" Nature. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. That's a good theory. Yeah, and I think that's about it for this uh, book and this episode. I think so too. Let's see what we're doing next. So next week is the next episode in the horror unit, just in time for Halloween, The Haunting of Hill House. Sorry, I should say The Haunted House Unit, The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson. And then the week after that will be another Morph Monday with Animorphs number 27, The Exposed, which is a Rachel POV. Love my girl, Rachel. She can do no wrong. Mm -hmm. Number one Morph in our hearts. Yes. Uh, In the meantime... If you need to get in touch with us to tell us about your series theories, your uh, favored ships, whether or not you think Tobias hates Cassie's guts, you can tweet at us at ShelfAwareCast or email us ShelfAwareCast at gmail.com. As always, thank you to Ben Cope for the use of our theme song. You can check out his YouTube channel in our show notes below. We are also on all of your favorite podcast aggregating platforms. So if you haven't followed or subscribed to us on one of those, you definitely should. Or else... We will use you as the material to make a new sentient <laughs> hosts for the yerks in our brains. If you use Apple Podcasts, we'd very much appreciate a five-star review. But if you don't, that's all right, because you are allowed to talk about us anywhere on the internet you would like. In the words of K.A. Applegate, I mean, there must have been some smart Nazis and some smart slave owners. <laughs> talk about quotes to take out of context. Jake, you really going to bring that up with your black girlfriend? <laughs> Some slave owners were probably nice people, Cassie. Now, to be fair, he's the argument isn't that they're nice people. It's that, that you can't assume that they're all stupid because obviously some of them must have been smart uh, in order to do very, what they did. But Very good people on both sides. <laughs> I hate you, Jake. God damn it, Jake. Maybe I will get rid of this segment because it's just me correcting you for no reason. I'll probably get rid of this. He's basically Thanos. <laughs> he wants to kill everybody. <laughs> I'm flipping through to find something and I feel like it's making me not comment on stuff and I felt like I needed to comment. So sorry. That's fine. <laughs> I'm trying to find this one line. This is the problem with, with hard copies. You can't just search, man. Damn it. Control F that book.